That's a great illustration of the difference between belief and faith. 25,000 people who lined Niagara Falls that day, who watched him go back and forth, watched him push that wheelbarrow back and forth, who exclaimed that they believed that he could do it with a person, but not one person would step out and get in that wheelbarrow. And as we talk about the armor that God has given us, Paul knows in this battle that we're fighting with Satan, that just an intellectual belief is not enough. It is going to take faith. We've been studying so far the the piece of the armor. We've looked at the, the belt of truth that holds everything together that's so essential. We've seen the breastplate of righteousness that protects our heart with a good and holy life from God. And last week we looked at those shoes shod with the gospel of peace. I do want to recognize a new winner to our shoe pair contest, okay? Um, actually, the winner was online. The winner of the sh- how many pairs of shoes you have in your closet was none other than Mike Talley. <laughs> Mike Talley had 75 sho- pairs of shoes in his closet, all right? And the bad thing about it is I don't have to give him the address to Goodwill. He had been before he counted. So those shoes are important, but this week what's so important is for us to take up the shield of faith. Now, now in this description, Paul's changing verbs. To this point, the first three pieces of the armor are things you keep on all the time. You have put them on, you keep them on. On the last three, there are things you pick up and that you take up. It's like a baseball player, you know, who wears his uniform all the time, but at different points in the game, he might take up the bat or he might take up his mitt. And what Paul is saying to us today is we must take up this shield of faith. Look at verse 16, Ephesians chapter 6. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now let's say a couple things that are very plain from this one verse. First of all, our enemy targets you with flaming arrows. L- listen to me, he's after you. He- he's-, he's got a cruise missile set-, set with the GPS to hit your heart. And he's been doing this for thousands of years. He's gotten better and better. And he's got an individual missile or missiles coming directly at you. You see, Satan knows he's lost the war. Satan knows he'll spend eternity in hell. And between now and then, what he wants to do is mess up as many of us and take us with him. And so he comes at us with all kinds of different missiles. Some we talked about so far would simply be deception. Satan comes at us. He makes good things look bad. How many people today believe something that really should be good, church, is actually bad? And then on the other hand, he can make bad things look so good. How many of us are caught in addictions that we'd have never been in if Satan had not made us think that just taking that step would make us feel better? And then above all, the greatest deception, I think, in the last thousands of years is that there actually is nothing that is right or wrong, good or evil. He works through deception. He works through discouragement. How many of your life is not exactly what you expected? You watch the news and you get down. Life is difficult. Things have not worked out the way you wanted. You feel hopeless. That 
Discouragement, if you're not careful, leads to depression. And then one we've not talked about so far, I think is one of his number one tools, is distraction. If he can't deceive you into sin, if he can't get you discouraged enough just to quit, well then what he's going to do is just come into your life and distract you in so many areas that you don't live for God. Recognize in America this year there will be over 3,000 people who lose their life because somebody was distracted when they were driving. Over 300,000 people will be injured. Because we live in a world where there's distractions in front of us all the time because almost every one of us carries this little thing around called our phone that has thousands of distractions at any moment. So any moment I get bored, any moment where years ago I might have said I need to fill my life with something good, I can just instantly go on there and fill my life with all kinds of things. And so he works through those things. He's powerful in those things. Now here's the good news. Our God equips you with the shield of faith. Yes, Satan is seeking to defeat you through these flaming arrows, but God's given us the shield. Because the Roman army, one reason it marched across the world, because they had better armament than anybody else. And this shield was no different. It was two foot by four foot, pitched in tar, covered with leather, metal stripping around the edges, down the middle. It was big enough that a soldier could hide his entire body behind this shield. It it was powerful in that it could be used as the army would link together and advance across to the enemy. They would put out those flaming missiles that would come. You see, guys, those flames, what the enemy would do is they would catch on fire these arrows and they would shoot them. And the fire, obviously, was meant to to penetrate a person, but it also was meant to distract. Because often, what they would do is they would link their shields together. If all these arrows are coming, you've seen the movie 300, they all link their shields together, they hold them up. It was called the turtle position. And it looked absolutely unbeatable as a shield. But the enemy knew If I can catch fire to one of the shields, we'll distract the whole army. And that's why Roman soldiers, before they would go into the fight, would take those big shields and they would dip them in water so that when the arrows came, they could be put out. So it's powerful. But understand what Paul says. He says the shield is faith. I mean, little translation here, the shield which is faith. And that's where we get back to our wheelbarrow. It's more than just coming together on Sunday and saying, God, we believe. It's more than us singing songs and say, God, you can do anything. It's God saying, are you willing to get in the wheelbarrow? What is faith? Let's write this down. Faith is belief plus trust. Belief plus trust. And it always leads to action. So let's go through that second. I think one of the great deceptions of Satan is all you need to do is believe. If at some point in your life you believed in Jesus Christ, then everything's okay with your life. My friends, it's not enough just to have mental assent to the facts about Jesus Christ. The book of James would tell us even the devil believes. If you ask the devil if Jesus is the Son of God, he'd say yes. It's not, faith is not, 
you sitting back in your lazy boy with your remote control, drinking yourself to sleep, cussing at your children, screaming at your wife, watching the Auburn basketball game. It's not. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Okay, just <laughs> don't associate the last part. I mean, it's, um, it's not just laying back there, guys, just doing nothing and saying, yeah, I believe in Jesus. It, it, it is belief, but then it takes trust. We understand this because we do this in every area of your life. It is impossible to live without faith. Every time you drive across a bridge, every time you get in an airplane, my goodness, you are exercising faith. Some people say, you know, I just don't have faith. I don't believe in faith. My friends, no one can escape faith. You can put your faith in God, or you can put your faith in the fact that you believe there is no God. But you cannot escape faith. And it takes this belief plus this trust. You know, you go to a doctor, and you've been having some symptoms. And you go to the doctor, and you say, here are my symptoms. And he runs a battery of tests. He says, this is what's wrong with you. And he writes a prescription out. And you take this little piece of paper that you can't read, right? Uh, Listen to me. If you can read your doctor's prescription, it's not a good doctor, all right? right. They've got to write that way. You take this prescription you can't read to a pharmacist you don't know who goes back with thousands of pills he could pick from that could do anything to you and trust they're going to bring the pills back, give it to you, you're going to take it, and you're going to get better. A prescription you can't read to pharmacies you don't know who could do almost anything to destroy you. Guys, it took faith. That took a lot of faith. And we do it all the time. And when it comes to God, yes, it takes that belief that he's the son of God. Yes, it takes this trust. But what Paul saying in Ephesians is this trust is something that immediately leads into action. And James says it twice in James chapter 2. Faith without works is what? You guys are religious people. Faith without works is dead. It's dead. It doesn't count. And in fact, James says, if you can't show me your faith by your works, you really don't have faith. It's an action. It's not just mental assent. It's not just this passive thing in my life. It's not just feelings. Guys, faith is not one day I feel good and I've got a lot of faith, one day I feel bad, I don't have any faith. It has nothing to do with that. C.S. Lewis put it this way. Faith is holding on to the things you by reason have accepted in spite of your changing moods. It's not just feelings. Let me give you a few things real quickly before we get practical here. How is faith grown you can look into these later, but let me just give you a few. First of all, it's by proof. Uh, Hebrew says faith is the evidence of things not seen. God's not asking you to launch out with no evidence. Is it complete, perfect evidence? No, that it wouldn't be faith. I like how Martin Luther King Jr. put it. He says, faith is taking the first step even when I don't see the whole staircase. You can see the first step. I love what's going on around this stage. Let's try it out. You can see this. I can see this first step. And and by faith, I take this step. I can't see the others. But I understand that God is going to guide me one step at a time. So faith is going, you know what? 
I got to build my life on something that's steadfast. I know in my life, back in our man church group this week, we were given our, our spiritual story. My spiritual story actually took off when finally I wasn't sure about faith or not and studied the resurrection of Jesus Christ and thought, you know what? I can't prove everything about the Bible. I don't even understand everything. About it. I can't prove everything about God. But one thing I do believe history says is Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead. And you start with that step and you continue to take steps of faith because there's proof. Number two, it takes preaching. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You need to keep yourself under the authoritative preaching and teaching of the word of God. Your life is bombarded by so many other different messages. How do we think our faith can grow when we watch so much on the television, go so far all over the web, and then we barely hear anything from God's word? Faith is grown by problems. Problems are the best opportunity for you to realize God's strength. It's the place where you learn to not lean on your own understanding. I remember meeting with a group of ministers one time and and just asking them about, you know, what had grown their faith. And, And the one I remember 20 years later was one minister who'd been through a terrible time awful time in his life, lost almost everything, including his family. And here's what he said. I I never knew that Jesus was all I needed until Jesus was all I had. That's how your faith grows. Your faith grows by people. The Christian life is not a life about just your little individual relationship with God. It's about surrounding yourself with the right people who help you become who you ought to be. It's like this guy that entered his donkey in the Kentucky Derby. Can you believe that? And everybody's crazy, like, what, what is this donkey doing? Someone comes up, why are, you, why are you putting your donkey in here? You know he has no chance of winning the Kentucky Derby. And the man was pretty quick. He said, well, I just thought the association would do him some good. Well, guys, God understands. Thank you for laughing. God understands that just the association of being with other people do us good. I think I could probably judge your faith by who you hang out with. If you hang out with people who are full of faith, more than likely you're going to be there with them. If you hang out with people who don't believe in God and don't trust God and actions show they don't really have faith, you'll become more like it. Now, I know you're tired of me talking about this because that's why this church is so big on small groups. That's why we still need some of you to step out, grab four or five friends and start a group because you become like the people you're around. So does your faith. And then finally, faith is grown by practice. James says faith is completed by what you do. Your faith grows when you finally say, God, I don't feel like forgiving this person. It's not what I want to do, but you have commanded me in Scripture to forgive even my enemies. And you practice forgiveness, and you end up being in a better spot, and you go, oh my goodness, I need to learn to trust God better the next time. Faith is when you want to live selfish and do just what you want to do, and you listen to God, and you die to yourself, and you end up much more joyful over here than if you had just lived a selfish life. 
Faith is when you want to keep all of your money for yourself because that's what makes logical sense in the world. But next Sunday, you sacrifice big time to give toward the mission work of this church across the world, and you're blessed. That's how faith grows. So let's close out with these two statements I think are really important. You'll never extinguish the enemy's flaming arrows until you put your faith into action. Guys, one thing I do know today is you got some arrows coming at you. You might have uh, been deceived to think it's just circumstances, or you might have deceived what just sort of happened. But, But let me tell you, there's an evil one behind it, and he knows you, and he knows what will tempt you, and he knows what will mess you up, and he's throwing some arrows at you. But, but here's what this passage is teaching us. This shield was not meant for just standing in place. It was meant for moving forward. It was meant to protect you from those flaming arrows. And it's an active faith. I, I think of the story, one of my favorite Bible stories of, of David and Goliath. Goliath is shooting those mental arrows, those stinging arrows at God's people through his word. I defy God. Who's this big God you have? And just like with the wheelbarrow, everybody's standing on the side of the mountain. Nobody will do anything. If you interviewed the, the, the Israelites and you said, do you believe in God? They'd all say, I'm, I'm offended that you'd even ask, do we believe in God? Of course we believe in God. But it finally took someone with an act of faith who walks and finally says to King Saul, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? We won't get into the details of that. It just means he didn't know God. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And this squirt little kid who wasn't even old enough to make the army, who's just visiting to take some crackers and cheese to his brothers, is the one who steps off, faces the enemy, defeats him, and all the Philistines run. He's not the guy that should be out there, but he's willing to step out there because he believes there's a living God. He doesn't just intellectually believe. He doesn't just stand on the side of the mountain, you know, and shout the war cry 40 days. He doesn't just say the right things. He actually steps out in the offensive to take on the flaming arrows of the evil one. And guys, if you're struggling with sin and deception in your life today, listen closely to me. You're not going to be victorious by just putting yourself in a corner and going, oh, no, I don't want this to happen. I believe in God. I believe in God. I believe in God. Please don't let this happen. I want to stop this. I don't want to do this anymore. I, do, I hate doing this. Oh, I'm not going to do it. No. Stop doing it, buddy. No. Not until buddy steps out and gets out of that corner and steps off that mountain are we going to be extinguished the flaming missiles of the evil one. It doesn't happen just internally, passively, just hoping things get better. It happens as you step out and you establish that ground for God. And you trust God. And then the second statement, very similar but a little bit different. You'll never experience God's greatest blessings until you put your faith into action. You never experience God's greatest blessings till you put your faith into action. You see, God shows up when you step out and it's not going to happen without him. 
You experience God when you try something you could not do on your own. As long, long as you can do it on your own. I mean, God's gifted you. God's made you a neat person and created you in a great way. And there are lots of things simply because of that that you can do. And that's cool. But when you experience real faith is when you step out in an area, you think, I, I, you know, I can't do it. There are some Sundays I sit in that pew and think, you know what, hey, Lord, I, I'm not on today. I, I, my mind's not working right, you know. God, if it's going to work today, it's going to have to be all you. You've been in those situations in life where you step out to do something for somebody. You step out to get involved in a, a ministry. You step out to make a difference within your family. You step out to make things different at work. You step out at school when nobody else is following Jesus. And, and you step out. And you're scared to death, but that's the moment you meet God in faith. And then you experience it all. And God says, it doesn't always make sense. Another one of my favorite stories about faith is found in Luke chapter 5. You probably remember that story. You know? Peter, James, and John been out fishing all night. Hadn't caught anything. They're on the shore cleaning their nets. Jesus shows up, takes a couple boats, steps out. Crowds on the shore, Jesus preaches, and then at the end of his sermon, you see, Jesus was into application, all right? He didn't think it was just good enough to come to church and listen to sermon. Jesus said, okay, guys, I, I know you hadn't caught anything all night, but would you go back out and would you fish again? In fact, I'd like you to go out in the deep, and I'd like you to throw those nets, now, guys, this, this made no sense to them. Number one, you don't fish in the middle of the day. It's noon by now. Number two, you, you don't fish in the deep in that day. You, you, you fish close to the shore. And number three, this dude's a preacher, okay? You wouldn't trust me for fishing advice, I promise you, all right? All right? I mean, he, he doesn't know. We, I mean, you know, and you can tell by the text. They're not so sure about this. I mean, Jesus, you're telling us to go out there and we, we've been doing, come on, man. We've been doing this all night long. We know what we're doing. It's just not happening. And now you're going to tell us to break every violation, uh, you know, of, of what we think good fishing takes place. And Jesus said, yeah. And finally, you hear Peter. And I, I think you, you, you have to listen to his voice tone. And I may be reading this wrong. But Peter says, okay, Jesus, because you say so, what tone would you say that in? Somebody say it. Because you say so, because, you know, we don't really believe, we don't like this, we're not too crazy. But because you say so, we're going to listen to you. And guys, there are times where your faith has to be a because you say so. Guys, if you always felt like doing the right thing, it wouldn't take faith. We live in this culture is completely based on feelings. Do what you feel. Then you are going to go to hell and you're going to destroy your life if all you do is live on feelings. There's a point where God says something that contradicts your feelings, even contradicts your logic, that you have to say, okay, Jesus, um, because you say so. I believe who you are. Don't really like what you're saying right now. But I'm going to trust you, and that trust is going to go into some action. And so... Here, go, here goes Peter, because you say so, let's go out in the deep, let's throw the net out, let's prove Jesus that he didn't know what he's talking about, and you know the story, the net, I mean, you know, God is so powerful, he has the fish jumping in the nets. 
I mean, it's just getting full. Peter pulls it in, you know. The nets begin to rip. He calls James and John says, Guys, i got to have your help. You've never seen anything like this. He pulls in another net. Now they finally have to get two boats. The boats are so full that the boats begin to sink. <laughs> Can you imagine? Because you say so. Good thing I did what you said to do, right? And in that moment, Peter experiences the greatest blessings of God. He's in the middle of all these fish and these sinking boats. There was a miracle from God because he, he decided to submit to what Jesus said. He had real faith that went into action. And that's what I'm trying to say to you and I this morning. My friends, when we step out on faith into action, we begin to experience not only the flames getting extinguished from the devil, but we get to experience the very presence of God. So let me ask you this as we close out. Where is God calling you to step out in faith? Now, what, what's, what, what, what are you hearing? What conviction is God giving you? You keep hearing it over and over. You need to go do this. You need to go ask forgiveness. You need to go reconcile with this person. You need to go back to your school and take a stand and let them know who you really live for. It's time for you to take that other child into your house. It's time for you to stop just being a spectator in this church and lead a small group. It's time for you to join a small group. It's time for you to start a ministry. And the, the history of this church is people bold enough to step out on faith and start things. People almost 50 years ago who said, we want to start an evangelistic church in East Montgomery. People 30 years ago who said, let's go reach the inner city. People 20 years ago who said, let's let this be the place where we can help people stuck in addictions. And I could name on and on just the last few years, people stepping out in different areas of ministry where they didn't know where the resources would come, didn't know where the help would come, but they go, you know what, I'm going to step out for God. Where is God calling you to step out? Could it be for this offering next Sunday on Mission Sunday that you finally take him his word on giving and you give in such a way that faith must show up? Or some of you, we keep advertising this marriage conference and, and you finally say, you know what, our marriage could use a little help. We could use some encouragement. I mean, it's just Friday and Saturday, 25 bucks, my goodness. Let's step out and go to that. Maybe it's time for you as the, the man of the household. Listen to me, man. It's time for you to take up a stand and say to your family what Joshua said. I don't know what you guys are doing, but as for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. I see so many men that are passive spiritually, and they're leading their family down this passive path where, yes, everybody would say they believed in Jesus, but nothing in their life shows it. Take a stand in your family. Experience. Because I guarantee those missiles are coming at you. That's when they'll get extinguished. And that's where you'll experience God. So what are you saying, buddy? I'm saying it's time to get in the wheelbarrow. Now, I love the story we started with. That's pretty cool. Blondin was the greatest tightrope walker in history. 
And just a couple weeks after that challenge, he actually did have a friend get in the wheelbarrow and let him take him across both ways. Niagara Falls teeming. But listen to me, guys. I, that's not something we're talking about today. I'm not talking and trying to convince you to put your faith in the greatest tightrope walker of all time, even though in some ways it made some sense there, right? Even though they, everybody applauded. I'm challenging you and me to put your faith in the God who created the universe. I, I'm challenging you, instead of building your, your life on this sinking sand to put your life built on the Lord Jesus Christ who resurrected from the dead. I'm saying instead of trusting your feelings, believe who he is, trust what he asked you to do, and do it. (laughs) And you're going to experience things you have never experienced in your life. Get in the wheelbarrow. Don't just come here Sunday morning and applaud God and sing the song and say, Yeah, God, we know you can do it. Oh, David, that's so cool. We know you be Goliath. Yes, Peter, can you imagine being in the middle of all those fish? How about you? How about me? Listen, guys, this morning as we sing this song, if you're ready to step out and be baptized, or if you need to come back to God and confess that you've been wondering, take up the shield of faith. Take it up and let God bless you. Come right now while we stand and sing.